0: Welcome to the 35th episode of the Skills Factory. Talks and ideas about skills from Europe and beyond. Our current education systems are innovative when it comes to adoption of technology. True or false, Lisa? True. True. Artificial intelligence will make education innovative. True or false?
1: True. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say true. Or maybe I hope that's true.
0: (laughs) The biggest resistance to the adoption of technology in schools comes from teachers. True or false? True.
1: Here, as a former teacher, I have to say it's a false.
0: Let me introduce you our guest speaker for this episode, Lisa Cowie, expert from UK. Hello, Lisa. Morning, hello and Jan-Peter Ganter de Otera, Human Capital Development Expert from ETF.
1: Hi, Maria. Good morning.
0: So today we dive into the dynamic intersection of technology and education. We will explore the potential impact of technology transfer on vocational education training and we will try to understand what technology transfer actually is. So, Lisa, can you please explain us what technology transfer is in simple terms? In simple terms, it's best to see it as being
2: a process. So technology transfer transfers technology from one organization to another one. Um, and we usually focus on how we do that to make it efficient. And I think it's best understood if we look at a couple of examples. So we see it happening in two situations, mainly one is universities who finish their research and they need to transfer the results out to uh, industry because industry can scale it up and commercialize it. And if we look at two very famous examples, Um, Oxford university did a lot of of the early work on penicillin, but in fact, penicillin was all scaled up by, um, Pfizer. And if we look at a more recent one, we have a vaccine group here who did a lot of research on COVID vaccines, but in the end they transferred that technology across to AstraZeneca and they have then developed it. And and that's the most common one. It's university research results to the outside world. The other one where we see the term used or sometimes we don't use technology transfer we talk about technology adoption is where companies adopt technology that's fully tried and tested so it's already out there and they know what they're getting and they do that because they know it will make them more competitive and the very obvious examples are countries that have invested in their car industry like south korea and more recently you see big investments in the car industry going on in in serbia with fiat where they have adopted all the technology now needed to make cars. So tech transfer from universities and what I tend to call tech adoption, that is fully tried and tested technology that goes out to to companies. That's what technology transfer is for me.
0: So it's a process of adoption of technology that is developed in educational environment to the industry. But is it the process that happening anyway? So is it something that have to be established and prepared and well regulated? Or is it something that happens naturally?
2: Doesn't happen very naturally (laughs) or it doesn't happen well very naturally. There's been a long history of researchers at universities selling their research results. Many universities decided to start regulating this. So they said, actually, we will do this properly. We'll have a process. We'll have rules and regulations. But in terms of buying fully developed technology, which is usually company to company, again, that's been happening for a long time. Foreign direct investment has often been used. And if you look at things like the industrialization strategy of places like South Korea, this came from the government, who said, we will adopt modern technology, we'll modernise our processes. But um, it, it happens best if you do optimise the technology transfer process. So what it takes to become a technology transfer institution? If it's doing research and it's developing technology as a result of the research, it's certainly doing knowledge transfer because it puts it into the heads of everybody, and as they move on and they apply themselves to others, then the knowledge transfer will just spread. You, you can't really change that. Are they doing classical technology transfer in terms of selling and transferring the technology? Not everybody. Um, not everybody wants to. Not everybody enjoys it. Um, and I am very uh, vocal about saying that you should use people's strengths. So I do work with some of the really big universities who have fantastic researchers, but we would always say if the researcher is not really wanting to go further than early stage
0: fundamental research, that's fine. Pass the results onto somebody else who can take them to the next level. Yeah, maybe you could give us an example from vocational education and training. So when this technology can happen actually in, in VET.
1: Yeah, I think first it's important to say that we're talking about something that it's usually seen as a type of policy that happens outside vocational education. It's a type of policy that it's an innovation and research type of policy.
0: Because it is linked uh, logically with higher education, actually with academia.
1: It is traditionally, yes, very much focused on the role of universities as a driver of technology transfer, both from the sense of developing a technology and transferring it from the university to uh, the companies, but also as an intermediary in a relationship where. A technology is already developed by another organization outside and bringing this to the country usually you also have the roles of the university very well determined. In the case of VET, this is uh, still something that needs to be improved in general, this relationship between the innovation policies, technology transfer policies and vocational education. But we can see at least three different types of actions that vocational education can do. And here I'm making reference to the work of a a researcher from Australia called Philip Tonner, who discussed exactly how vocational education is a mechanism of technology transfer. So the first one, which is the traditional one, and it's always the traditional service that vocational education provides, it's providing the skilled workers. You can't think about transferring technology without having the skilled workers that will implement that will maintain that technology in the context in which the technology is being transferred.
0: So technology transfer is not only about transferring technology as such, it's about transferring skills and skilled people.
1: You, you can't think about transferring and adopting technology without having the capacity of the people who will implement and will uh, keep the technology working in the context. And this is usually the traditional way in which vocational education plays a role. And here you have many cases, for example, that we can discuss. Maybe I would highlight the work that the JZ from Germany, the, the German cooperation agencies, in which you have substantial work being done on transferring wind power technologies or solar power technologies to different countries. And here you usually have a component of the work in which vocational education adapts its curricula, to provide the skilled workers that are needed for that specific technology. That's a very well-established way of working with it, but it's not the only one. A second role that we can talk about, it's simply the role of mediating or bridging together different organizations that can promote technology transfer. So for example, when vocational education centers organize a fair in which they bring companies and researchers from different contexts to talk about their technology, to, to present this to their ecosystem. It's also a very important role that vocational education can play. And finally, I think the one that I am very, very excited to talk about is the one related to applied research in vocational education is a development that we have been seeing in the last decades in some systems of vocational education around the world that puts vocational education in the center of the development of the technologies, which is very important. So. Vocational education is not only a player that enters in the equation when the technology is already developed, but vocational education can also be a player in the development of these technologies by engaging in research and innovation policies, by becoming a research player. For example, in the case of the Basque Country, there is an institution called Tecnica, which is an uh, applied research center in vocational education And they do a tremendous good work about preparing the vocational education system to deliver research.
2: This is where I think it highlights how definitions are sometimes useful for us and sometimes a bit constraining. So, for example, in America, technology transfer is defined really narrowly as licensing or sale of rights by some organization. Whereas what Jan is talking about, which I think often is frankly more important for us, particularly under VET, is what a lot of people call KT, knowledge transfer. And you get a lot of funding mechanisms now that are called knowledge transfer mechanisms where they fund the person rather than the technology development. And within Europe, you will see that it's now possible to become a KT professional, which is often seen as being slightly different from being a TT professional, tech transfer professional, knowledge transfer professional. Um, And I think frankly, you need both of them very much. And you mustn't forget about the knowledge transfer, the, the, the KT aspect. And you do see the European Commission funding a lot of KT initiatives as a result of that. Mm -hmm.
0: Now we're breaking a bit of a narrative here because vocational education is always seen as something that people learn to do with their hands, no? And uh, Jan, you mentioned one of the aspects of technology transfer is when vocational education trains people to become capable of doing innovative things outside the education system. But here you say that research, which is attributed usually to academia, needs to be done in vocational education. Is that right, Jan?
1: Well, it's a possibility. There are many systems around the world in which vocational education provides the service to the ecosystem. Maybe in the case of European commission policies, this is not yet well-developed as it is, for example, in the case of Canada, Australia, China, Brazil, the Basque country. Now, I would even say the whole Spain has been very much influenced by the case of the best Country. There's a possibility that especially tries to put vocational education inside the dynamics of research and innovation. And not as a player that it's in the external in which needs to be somehow learning with the research players, but rather bringing them together and putting them inside. But when we talk about, for example, applied research and vocational education, we need to understand that we are not talking necessarily about the same type of applied research that is developed at the universities. At the universities, you usually have a type of applied research that it takes much longer time, that it's heavily based on the type of knowledge that vocational education will not work on this. Vocational education will usually provide uh, more simple technical solutions to small and medium companies that are in need of fast and easy Uh, research solutions. I absolutely agree, and I like to believe that, yes, that this is a, a great pathway to enhance the visibility or the social status of vocational education. What we see nowadays is that vocational education struggles to provide the type of skills that are known as high cognitive competences, which are the type of competences that are usually developed through processes of research and innovation, so aspects of problem solution, aspects of learning how to do analytical work. These are, in true, very complicated skills and competences to learn and without the chance of doing research and participating on projects and project-based learning, for example, it becomes truly hard for vocational education students to develop these skills. And in the future, without these skills, it will also become harder for them to be able to move around jobs, to go up in the ladder of jobs. What type of skills are we providing to students? And how can we justify that in the modern economy, we have graduates from one education system that are not being provided the skills that are needed to be innovative. That sounds to me something problematic. And of course, if we compare. The amount of resources that universities receive nowadays compared to vocational education players, it's it's a tremendous difference. And this difference comes a lot from exactly the fact that universities and research centers have access to the innovation funds and usually VET doesn't have. And so how do you compete with this? I do believe that it is time for us, especially here in Europe, to put VET in the center of innovation policies and give that the possibility to be a player at the innovation policy.
2: I think it's really important, too, to look at the way that higher education institutes, including bed, adopt technology themselves in the way that companies do, you know, tried and tested technology, even if it's quite recent, that makes them more competitive. So let's use an example, because I think this is often the best way of illustrating things. When I was finishing at school, a lot of the young men around me were learning how to do technical drawing. They were going into the car industry in Oxford. We have a car industry here where I'm based in Oxford. By the time I finished my PhD and entered the first company I worked for, nobody was doing technical drawing. They were using CAD CAM for machining. They were using digital design tools. They were using finite element analysis for modeling programs, because that way they could design much more complicated structures Mm -hmm. and they could test stress and so on. So I think one of the focus very much needs to be on vet schools themselves adopting the most modern technology out there and transferring knowledge of how to use it and then how to use it independently to the young people who are coming through. And that will enhance their reputation because people will say, well, I leave with the most relevant skills in order to be able to get a job in a high-tech company. So technology adoption sort of more into the organisation for the benefit of enhancing skills, I think is something that VET really should be focusing on. So this kind of modernization and use of technology for the education process.
0: Today we speak about technology and innovation. Of course, my next question will be about artificial intelligence, a big hot topic of of these days. So what role AI can play in technology transfer? AI plays a
2: role in everything. (laughs) <laughs> and has for many, many years, I think we probably haven't been as aware that when our number plates got red when we came into a car park, actually that, that was AI years ago. So it will play a role in, in everything we do, teaching and research. Um, in terms of technology transfer itself, I certainly already see it being quite specifically used. So if you develop a technology inside a university where it's still quite at an early stage, you need to find somebody who's willing to invest in taking it to the next level and to buy it for you or or access it. It can be quite hard to find a partner to do that. Good technology doesn't sell itself. It requires people to go out and search for the right partner. AI is now playing a strong role in helping people to identify the right partners. It will tirelessly crawl the web saying, I think you ought to be ringing this company because there's a good fit. And we see AI now starting to play a much stronger role in, in in patent analysis and patents are very important for strong technologies.
0: What about fundamental research, the basics of the research? Do you think it will play a role there as well? It
2: will play a role absolutely everywhere where you can replace something that people could do and probably didn't find desperately interesting with something where you can say, well, I will let that experiment run overnight and I will come back and the AI will have done what it would have taken me to do a year if I'd done it by myself.
0: Jan, what is your vision of AI impact on on research and on education overall.
1: You know, I I love the discussion about artificial intelligence, but I also feel that it's very complicated to to comment on this because it's truly hard to see how this will be developed in the next years. We are living a certain moment of a wave of open and fear at the same time. Because we see this development coming from uh, open AI. I think what Lisa said, it's something that already exists for a few years, but we are kind of realizing now the potential of it because of the platforms that have been available. And I think what we need to think above all is like, what are the tasks that vocational education or education systems perform that are heavily labor based? and how can we make them more efficient through artificial intelligence? I think that's the main question that we need to address. Because here is an opportunity, for example, to optimize the use of resources in an education system, which we know that are very important. It's a chance, for example, to optimize the processes of changing curricula. It's a chance of optimizing learning and teaching processes in the classrooms.
0: It's an interesting thing. We have interviewed quite some experts in this podcast, the experts in artificial intelligence, and none of them were skeptical or were they were scared of it. If I can add one thing on that, my direct experience of it has, has been quite mixed in that
2: if you work in innovation, it's about doing things differently. It's about doing them new for the first time. AI is very good at doing things that it's learned how to do from other people. So it's very good at doing things that have already been done rather than being unique, doing repetitive things. People have said that they were quite worried about the effect that Chat GPT might have on education with people just using it. So if I'll give you a concrete example, last week I assessed 44 applications to a, a competition all focusing on roughly the same area, roughly the same geographical region. It was instantly obvious to me that around 30 of them had been written by Chat GPT. Because almost 30 of them were absolutely identical.
0: Yes, but give it the time. Give it the time, Lisa. Give it the time. That's my point. I will give it the time. But
2: at the moment, I'm looking at it and saying, it was absolutely fantastic that it managed to write one of those. But once you've seen 30 of them written by the same program, roughly about the same topic, you will say, I know exactly who wrote that because the same voice emerges from every single one. So I, I'm not a frightened of it in that sense, and I think, um, I think again, it will be used as a useful tool by people in
0: education, but
2: it's not something that frightens me at the moment at all.
0: It will not get as good as a human writing, uh, and you will always be able to identify that it's such a... I think it will always be possible to be different as a human. It's certainly clear that
2: AI is writing songs that sound very much like original artists. But what nobody has played me yet is a song where somebody says, oh, this is completely original. AI wrote this. Doesn't sound like anybody else. It continues to sound like Paul Simon. It doesn't actually have its own voice yet. Um, Perhaps when it does, I'll feel very differently. But at the moment, it sounds like other people.
0: We have a tradition in our podcast, we ask Chad GPT, the one that You just mentioned, Lisa to formulate one question to all of our guest speakers. And here is what ChatGPT would like to ask you, Lisa and Jan. Is the ultra-traditional world of vocational education ready for a technological revolution? Or is it at risk of becoming obsolete in the face of rapid technological advancements?
1: I think that it really depends on the, so to say, the leaders of a vocational education system. I have seen processes of transformation happening in many countries, but it takes many years. It's not something that can be done in one, two, three, five years. In fact, it's something that takes 10 to 20 years that you need to train the people, you need to create a culture of innovation, which is something very hard to develop in the vocational education system. But again, the main problem here is that when we go, for example, for events related to innovation policies, either technology or knowledge transfer policies, we will see a discussion that is usually this vision of VET as the provision of skilled workers and only period. So I always ask the question, what is the role of VET? And it's always the simple uh, answer. So this ultra traditional world of VET, it's not only in the level of the schools, it's also in the level of the policy making, And this also needs some change.
0: Thank you. Elisa, do you think education is at risk of becoming more and more obsolete due to these rapid technological advancements that we discussed today? No, I think um, education probably will transform
2: itself. I think it will see an opportunity. Um, it will ultimately will embrace the technology. The barriers are always personal fear that it will put somebody out of a job. What people say that that is the culture, the cultural fear that we don't want technology coming in here. But I actually think that you will probably see vet organisations embracing the innovate or die, because they know if they don't, they will cease to exist. I think there will be, in the end, transformational change. I agree very strongly with Jan, it doesn't happen overnight, because you have to deal with the issue of fear of change. Um, And perhaps what we ought to be doing is focusing more on helping vet organisations to manage the cultural change rather than trying to push them into adopting the technology.
0: Thanks a lot to both of our speakers. This was very interesting conversation, somewhere in between the innovation, technology, education. Thanks a lot to Lisa Cowie, an expert from UK. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Thank you. i really enjoyed the discussion. Thanks a lot to Jan from ETF. Thank you, Jan.
1: Well, thank you. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Marie.
0: Thanks a lot for this conversation. And thanks to all of you, our listeners and stay tuned as there is much more to come. Goodbye.